0: creators of relevant magazine this is the relevant podcast
1: so take me on and stop
2: April 5th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And sitting in for the whole show today, a guest celebrity cast member, Liz Forkin-Bohannon. Welcome.
3: Happy to be here, guys. From
2: Portland, Oregon. Okay, before we get to know Liz and I tell you about what's coming up on the show, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating your site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shop, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails with one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business go to squarespace.com/relevant for a free trial and when you're ready to launch your website use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain squarespace set your website apart well like i said joining us for the whole show today is liz forkin bohannon from portland oregon she is the, an entrepreneur she's a speaker she's a podcaster she's founder of seiko designs a fashion brand started to enable high potential talented young women in Uganda to continue on to college. Welcome, Wow, Cameron, that was,
3: that was slick. That was good. I should take you on the road with me. I'm a professional <laughs>
0: podcaster and hype man.
4: Hype man, hype so yeah. man.
3: You're like, you know what? How, do you guys watch Veep? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. if Gary was also really well spoken. <laughs> if you could be my Gary, that would be amazing. Can't
5: separate, cannot separate Gary from being very
2: poorly spoken in my
5: mind. Yeah. this is a this is a real clash of, of vibes.
2: So
3: re-
5: it's
2: true. relevant, it's true. relevant podcast network listeners might know Liz because she was a, a guest a cast member on season two of the Love and Money podcast. Right? Yeah. That's right. And she is working on launching her own podcast coming up soon, TBD. She's also about to release her first book. Tell us about... Well, first of all, tell us about the book and then also tell us about Seiko Designs.
3: Okay. Well, I'll tell you about Seiko first because the book kind of alludes. So um, Seiko, as you mentioned, is a socially conscious fashion brand. I started Seiko almost our 10 year birthday is this summer, which is wow. pretty wild. Um, it's also comes about two months after my 10 year wedding anniversary. So you can do some math and envision what the first year of our marriage was like. We this launched a company and got Easy. married within about three yeah. months of one another. I would recommend it highly <laughs> to any newlyweds for sure. Um, so I started Seiko. I moved to um Uganda, when I was 22, I had a master's degree in journalism and wanted to be a human rights reporter and moved to Uganda to learn more about the issues that were facing women and girls living in extreme poverty and really long story short, ended up meeting some incredible young women in between high school and university that tested into college, but couldn't afford to go. And so my new kind of mission in life became figuring out a way to bridge the gap between high school and university for these young women. And I started a charity and then realized I couldn't start a charity and that we need to be investing in um, mutually beneficial marketplace solutions to solve some of the world's most interesting problems. Started a chicken farm that failed and then invented a pair of strappy sandals. And that um, miraculously kind of worked. And 10 years later, we are a full on women's lifestyle fashion brand. So we sell the product um, through a network of female entrepreneurs here in the US that enable women in East Africa and around the globe to go on to school and pursue their dreams. And that's Seiko. Wow. Liz, I feel like I just got a
4: 90 second TED talk and it was awesome. <laughs> like, that was very good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm gonna guess this is the first time you've kind of given the the, <laughs> the elevator the, the elevator pitch yep. <laughs> because that was oh, that was very no, good. No,
3: that was definitely that was so on the fly, and I've never said any of that before. Just <laughs> real, only the freshest material for you guys and the relevant podcast. Can I do a listeners. quick follow up
5: question? Liz, you said something in there that I just, I'm just really curious about. Let's go back to the failed chicken farm really fast. I know it's a minor point. I know it's an asterisk, but it seems like kind of an mm-hmm. important one. And I just want to hear at what point you How realized this is not happening. This yeah, what, what
2: was the point where you said this has failed? Did they all die? Did they get out? Like what happened?
3: Okay, this is a great question. I would love to tell you that there were no chickens harmed in the making of this life story. Okay. (laughs) So there were two things. One is the more boring answer that it just economically didn't make sense. It was like to do agriculture, you kind of have to do it at a certain scale. I was bootstrapping this company. I had three women that I had promised to help kind of bridge this gap between high school and university and the math just didn't work out. The second thing is that I woke up every I was probably I don't know how long I worked on it for a couple months, maybe six weeks. And literally every morning that I woke up, I dreaded my existence. I was just (laughs) like, there was like nothing in me. You guys, I have just come to realize I don't know how much you've been like up close and personal with chickens. It's a love. You either love it or you hate it. And they (laughs) wig me the freak out. They're just gross, and they're like the the very unsettling head movement. Yeah, it's so unpleasant. (laughs) So the funny thing is I now live in Portland, Oregon, and I live on an urban commune. That's a whole different story. That's a little bit of a strong word, but we joke and say well, that's we'll what it is. It. And of course, what, because we yeah, live we'll on a Portland. Right. wait, 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 in a wait Is it, is
2: it, in a, just like, is it in an apartment <laughs> complex? And because you're in Portland, you guys call it an urban commune?
3: Exactly. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I, we own property with our friends. And we built like we bought one kind of single family unit or... um piece of property. And then we built a couple, we built three skinny houses on the, on the Uh, one property. And so we share all that. And because we're in Portland and we're living in an urban commune, of course we have to have chickens. Um, and they're like, were the bane of my existence. It was like I would wake up every morning and hear these chickens, and it just was like this painful reminder of my failures. You know, they would be like <laughs> bark, 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 my failure, um, and then they all died. And they're the joke in our community is that I Wait. slowly, one by one, killed off I, all of I the like chickens. Just breezed over it. They all died. You really died yada, seriously, yada. And you really yada yada but oh, died. God over like years, I know I'm going to get some angry people that like are mad about me not being nice about animals. But one morning I did, this was completely on accident. We also have a dog and I let the dog accidentally into the chicken pin oh, and it gosh, was Liz. bad. It was bad. And it was like five thirty in the morning. And I'm like screaming bloody murder because I'm like, I need someone to come help me save the chickens. But in my head, I'm like, Kind of sad for the chickens, but I'm really sad for myself. I'm like, no one will believe that this is an accident. You can't make so many jokes about killing the commune chickens and then be the one that lets the dog into the pen.
5: You've got motive. You had means, you had the opportunity. It's all, it doesn't look good for you, Liz.
3: It does not look good.
5: Two two observations about this. First one
4: is failed chicken farm is a great band name and I call it. uh, It's going to be awesome. We're going to be like an avant-garde indie rock band, failed chicken farm. Also, I think I told, I told the story before my buddy, he had the same, he had the same impulse, Liz. He was like, he was going to build a chicken coop in his backyard. And, you know, he spent all this money on this like fancy chicken house and he bought chickens and feed and the whole, all the, all that. And I was like, dude, why are you doing this? He's like, dude, think he's got, he's got like four kids. And he's like, think about in the long run, how much I'm going to save on eggs. And I'm like, dude, eggs are super cheap. How <laughs> much is a dozen eggs? Like three bucks. Yeah. So cheap. Yeah. yeah. So so you know, I mean we're we're talking decades of chicken farm ownership before you start seeing return on this. Week one, he goes out there one he think he's like, Thank God I get a the, the earliest because i looked in the backyard and it was like someone had like a, a like a box truck full of feather pillows exploded in my backyard he's like there was nothing but feathers everywhere evidently like a weasel or a fox or something got back there and just slaughtered all of them he said it was just a massacre he's never seen anything like it <laughs> and that was literally a week after owning the chicken so i i, I don't think you're alone in your hatred of that venture liz
3: Yeah, I feel alone. But I I think that we're just a silent majority. Like I think that people in our country don't feel the freedom to be honest about their feelings of chickens, especially not in Portland, Oregon. Are you kidding me? I can't admit that I don't want chickens. That puts me on like a Portland terrorist watch list. Those, these are not emotions that I am allowed to express freely in my community. So instead, I guess I'm just doing it on a national platform, which seems dangerous to me and my family.
4: Is, is a backyard chicken the official bird of the state of Oregon? Because I yes. feel like it should be. <laughs> yes. Not.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh it should be. It's either that or back or front yard goat. That's a big trend here.
4: Like you the wanna know do you want to know what I'm
3: doing in a couple weekends with some girlfriends? <laughs> I'm just confirming all of your stereotypes about Portland right now. Don't worry, we're gonna do goat yoga. Uh, uh, this I, is where you go do yoga and goats wander around while you yoga. This is a thing. We'll pay good money to do this. I've seen by the way, these videos.
5: They like stand I, on you while you're doing your like yes. you're in your downward dog, and they can like they stand on your butt, and
2: it's
3: this is the thing. You're exactly right.
2: We have a great show coming up for you today. Uh, joining us later, Taraji P Henson joins us. She stars as Cookie Lion in the TV hit Empire, as well as films like Hidden Figures, Hustle and Flow. She also stars in the new movie, The Best of Enemies, that tells the true story of civil rights activist Anne Atwater. It releases today. And to celebrate the release of the movie, she is joining us on today's podcast. So it's pretty exciting. That's Uh, amazing. Liz, uh, before we move on to uh, the hot list, I have a couple of leftover table topics uh, cards here in front of me from last week's podcast. And I'd like to lob them to you to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Um, okay. They, they all We're involve nervous. goat yoga. Liz <laughs> Forkin Bohannon, table topic number one. How do you measure success?
3: Oh my gosh. Start out with something a little bit more uh, serious, will you? Uh, okay. How do I measure success? Yeah. I think I believe deep in the kind of most core part of my gut that every human is created on purpose and for purpose. And I think success is about living a life that will push you closer to becoming more of who you were created to be.
2: There you go. Come on now, wow. preach. Uh, wow. Liz Fork and Bohaman. Uh, Bohaman. Uh, what habit of yours? What habit of yours needs to change ASAP?
3: Oh, what habit? Yeah. Oh, probably something hygiene related. <laughs> i won't get into details i mean i just like i should probably um watch my hair more oh
4: okay okay All right. well especially if you're going to be rolling around in the dirt with goats, goats. Around. yeah that seems yeah. yeah it seems like hygiene is not the first thing you want to go if goat yoga is part of the yeah you
2: know, the mix yeah the, yeah mm-hmm. uh liz forgan bohannon uh do you do others perceive you differently than you are do others oh my gosh, that is such
3: are? a good question. I think, yes, I do not find myself to be the most self-aware person. Hmm. It's an interesting thing. It's something that I, um, not being self-aware has incredible benefits in your life. And then it also has disadvantages. So? so it's an interesting thing that I'm like, I actually don't want to get rid of completely. Because I find, because I can be a little bit unaware of things and how people are perceiving me that it actually creates a sense of freedom that I think some other people don't experience that it's like, I can kind of just be who I am. It's like, people are like, aren't you afraid of making people mad? Or aren't you afraid of this? And I'm like, I actually just have such selective perception of what's going on around me that, um, I don't know. I just don't find myself to be very aware of those things. So it creates a lot of freedom. However, there have been times in my life where someone will perceive me in a specific way that feels very different than how I felt in the moment. And that that never feels good where you're like, no, that actually wasn't what I was trying to communicate. Right. So, um, yeah, I do think that there's a little bit of a difference between how I'm perceived and sometimes my intentions in a situation.
2: Yeah. Okay. Liz Bohannon, if you're feeling low, What's your trick mm-hmm. to feeling better? What's your trick?
3: Oh my gosh, this is like so cliche and probably not interesting, but my my kids, my babies, I just feel like there is um, just turning off my phone, getting really up close, like just hanging out with my kids, going to a park. I have yet to experience something where that is not this centering antidote of just like, this is life. And this is like what matters. And I want to be totally present right here in this moment. And specifically, I mean, my kids just have this magical ability to kind of bring me back to the present and center me. And it's so fun.
4: Liz, that was a beautiful answer. We also would have accepted uh, just... The feeling of letting a dog run loose through the
2: urban commune <laughs> <laughs> and just really letting him
4: Murdering do
3: what you always wanted to do, just, and just letting sit there and watch. massacre, just
2: letting nature run its course. You know, just, <laughs> just with freeing just nature to do its, its thing. It. Just Dogs just do what, the, made, what just they the were created to life, do. You know, <laughs> helping my dog feel its true purpose and calling in life, and do you what it was created a- to do.
3: Playing a little bit of Phil Collins, Circle of Life. Isn't that Phil Collins yeah. in Lion King? Yeah. As I let the dogs murder oh. the chickens. It's the same. Oh, no, for John, some reason, yeah, I, the-
4: I picture you like in the back of a town car with the windows rolled down, like just watching <laughs> at a distance and you see the dog walk in the chicken coop and you just you see like the Tasmanian devil cloud of feathers and dirt just rolling. And you look at the driver and you're like. It's done. Let's go. Done. And, and, then, and then it of closes there.
3: just with a shot of me in like the rear view mirror, just like, and then the horizon <laughs> shot of me driving off into the distance. <laughs> the wow. Crime. I am, I am, um, this is becoming quite maniacal.
2: Liz Forkin and Bohannon. And we know you grew up in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Missouri. Um, final question. Who was your nemesis in school?
3: Oh my gosh. Who was my nemesis?
2: And let's call them right now.
3: <laughs> that would be a, so. OK, there were a few people who. Um, OK, so this is a story that I just remember. There was a boy in my class. This was actually a really sick. I don't know if I would call him my nemesis, but in my like own personal narrative, he definitely um, is the only person I can think of from middle school who has a part. When I was in seventh grade, this boy uh, I was like leading our class lip sync, which was a big deal when big you're a seventh grader. Big deal. I'm and sorry. in front of all of my friends and like everybody in the class, he called me a feminazi. And oh, wow. that like a. grade was
2: was seventh grade. It's very political. So, yeah. It's it, very a, so political. Anyway.
5: Well read, like Tucker Carlson. Carlson. Was, was going to say, he you went to, to school
4: this? with a young Tucker Carlson? Like he <laughs> was. <laughs>
3: His so this name so my was nemesis Tucker, <laughs> his name was Tucker T- Tarlson.
5: <laughs>
3: um and anyway, the nickname like kind of stuck and no. it came this like joke, and like every time that I would like speak up or be loud or be quote unquote bossy, someone would be like, Oh, the feminazis here. No and it way. was like pretty formative for me. It was like the thing that I think at such an early age, I, I was like, one, what does that even mean? I, you know, when you're like somebody calls you something and you don't know what it means and you're 13, you obviously pretend like you do and then you go home and you try to figure it out. So like feminazi, like what does that even mean? And it really sent me into this kind of like spiral of thinking about like gender and power and like why is it that when I like speak up and I'm loud and I'm like leading a group of people, I, I'm being like shamed and called this super intense name. But yet when this guy does the same thing, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's such a leader. Look at him. And um, that was really formative to me. And I, I would credit probably this kid with kind of sending me on a path of interest and curiosity that was actually pretty formative. But at the time, I just hated him. I thought he was awful and I dreaded seeing him in the hallway and. Um, maybe I could call him a nemesis. I was going to say, it sounds like someone, does he work in the current White House administration?
5: It sounds like... (laughs) Bright future for this young man.
3: uh, There may be be some familial connection.
2: That is is such an interesting story to me. I mean, the fact that like this kid was threatened by your strength. So he tried to like, you know, elevate himself by knocking you down. There's a whole thing there. But like the fact that you actually... and and subconsciously or maybe consciously embraced it and saying no I am a strong female and I'm not going to be let you put me in my place or whatever and now you are I mean look at your life story since then I mean you have achieved yeah. and created and led and you're enacting change and changing lives and I mean it I mean I don't know like it's really cool I mean it's funny that it goes back to that and that moment was right there top of mind right under the surface.
3: Maybe I should call him and thank him. Thank him. Do you know what yeah. I actually did? This may be too graphic for the Internet. I don't know if I can say this out loud. You guys will edit it if you can't. OK, <laughs> okay. I we will got not. a group. Of, <laughs> so he um, so he was you know, credited with giving me this nickname. And this was like a few years later because this happened in middle school. And then in high school, he was still a little but <laughs> so,
4: Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa! whoa. Hey, 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 we punch got... up. They go, they go low. We go high. Liz, butt face
3: No, not in my you world. If they go low, I get angry. I got a group of girlfriends together. We could drive at the time. We went to Sam's Club and bought like ten packs of these, like those, like massive old school maxi pads, the ones that are like three inches thick. <laughs> And, um, bulk ketchup and basically like vandalized his house with, and this was my, like, if you want to like, you want to talk about, you want to shame me for being a woman. And, um, it felt like a very, I I had a streak of vindictive vandalism in my history. (laughs) A few bullies also kind of went after my sister when she was in middle school and may have gotten similar treatment. So anyway, that was my way of dealing so with hard things. This wasn't things a fun school. prank.
5: This wasn't a like, we're in a prank no. war. This was an actual, this no. was vengeance. This was, this was justice. <laughs> I, justice. Not, here's
3: right, right, here's, right, right, here's what I appreciate. Hangover. I feel like I should not have told that story. It's very weird. It's very weird.
2: I no. well, You've given a lot ideas I to a lot of people just now, but first <laughs> of all, but I love this interesting part of you that you had a streak of vindictive vandalism, which started <laughs> in high school and up until recently when you released a dog in the chicken coop that you didn't like. I mean, Vandalism seems to be a
3: through line in your life story. The story that you could tell against me in the court of law against the chickens is only getting stronger. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. To your point, like about how influential it was in my life, though, Cameron, like so not to be all pop culture on us, but I'm going to go into the Enneagram so uh-huh. I'm Great. an eight on the Enneagram. So I'm a challenger. So,
5: <laughs>
3: <Sure.
5: laughs> Are you sure?
3: Two out of you. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Um, but it makes me think like that experience elicited, like I, I wanted to challenge this and specifically this guy who kind of represented this, uh, voice, But I thought often throughout that, like, I know I when I felt shame, it inspired me to kind of be um, to kind of dig into that and to like, want to challenge it. But I know that that's not how a lot of people operate. And it was really powerful. It's been a driving force in my life that it's like how many 12 year old girls get publicly humiliated And then their reaction is just to retreat, like, don't Mm -hmm. speak up again, don't risk humiliation again, like Mm -hmm. it's not worth it. And so that does feel it. There's a part of me that kind of feels like for whatever reason, God created me with this kind of odd spirit. And like, it feels, it feels imperative to me that it's like, I, I don't ignore that part of who I was created to be because i know that that a lot of people don't naturally react in that way and it does feel yeah it feels like there's kind of like a sense of responsibility in that um because i think about the amount of probably 12 year old girls that had a really similar experience um but that caused kind of an opposite reaction and that feels really significant to me
2: that's fascinating yeah. did and you and you said like you kind of like stood up for your sister when she was bullied oh in my middle gosh. school and like you like i'm not gonna let that's interesting and even the work you're doing like standing in the gap for the young women in uganda that you're like i'm gonna help you know like i will your your economic situation or your culture or your situation isn't allowing you to thrive i will stand up and help you thrive like it's like you have this through line of like standing up to the oppressive forces in your life you know what i mean or that are yeah. out there and I
3: think that that's why Enneagram was really enlightening for me is just recognizing how eights are so in, they're not only incredibly attuned to power and power dynamics and like recognizing what the power dynamics are, but then it's like, my trigger is seeing power abused yep. in any capacity. So whether right. that's with, you know, against my nine-year-old sister whether, you know, or it's more systematically globally on a policy level about, you know, injustice and lack of opportunity for women and girls globally, it doesn't really matter what the scale is. I have come to know in myself that that is like a massive trigger for me when I see a power imbalance. And then when I see power being abused, it's just like,
2: yeah.
3: it's yeah. a very gut, like visceral reaction. Yeah. That luckily, 10 or 20 years later, I've um, refined a little bit, so I'm happy to say I'm no longer vandalizing people's homes with maxi pads. Vindictive so that feels vandalism. like a step in the right direction. <laughs> no, she's not
2: doing vindictive vandalism. She's just doing random vandalism. <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now it's,
5: more it's
3: just, just random. yeah I just have like a little wheel with everybody that I know on it that I just spin on a weekly basis. and it, It's much more um, free-spirited these days. <laughs>
4: do, do, do you know whatever happened to your bully? I'm assuming prison. I'm assuming he's in prison. I'm assuming you framed him and he uh,
3: uh the white house actually yeah yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah. Oval office. Um, no uh <laughs> i actually looked him up on facebook because i i talk about the story in my book and i tried to find him on facebook and shockingly i actually couldn't so i have no yeah. i have no context dead. i really wanted to prison. use his name in the He's book dead. and then my publishers prison. were like no you can't do that so i had to use a fake name
5: you know I recently I know what looked name. up my uh, old bully on Facebook. I was just curious. I think we were talking about in the office the other day. Like, who was your like who was your yeah. childhood nemesis? And I looked up my bully, thinking that all those old like stories about how uh, you know they 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 end up like miserable while you end up successful are true. Looks like he's doing really well. <laughs> 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 Looks really happy pretty bummer. wife nice kids looks like he's, yeah, got he's got a really a- rewarding job it looks like he's doing great he's like a,
4: he's like a banker or something a wealthy banker with a lot of sports cars and boats and stuff know. as
3: far as i
5: can tell on facebook he's he's just
2: doing a just a real drag just a real drag Maybe i shouldn't find
3: my guy
2: all right well it was fun to get to know liz uh stay tuned coming up next uh the hot list Two fits in the tantrums. Song is one, two, three, four, five, six, which is how I test my mic level. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Foster the People with Style. Okay, it is time for
1: the hottest, the hottest.
2: It's sizzling. Oh, man. I'm still I'm still not comfortable Great. with that. I know I know the items we're talking
4: about this week yeah. uh, in the hot list, and that's yeah. not the only time Yacht Rock is going to come up. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a little
2: teaser. Uh, coming in number five this week on the hot list, Steph Curry, NBA superstar Steph Curry, is bringing competitive mini golf to television. Yes. Uh, he's continuing his second career as a Hollywood mogul and is teaming up with ABC for a new co- new show called Holy Moly, which will feature <laughs> mini it. golf enthusiasts squaring off to win $25,000. Uh, Steph's going to executive produce the show through his company, unanimous media, which he launched to create faith-based and family-friendly television shows and movies based in the world of sports. He also serve as its resident golf pro on the show. Uh, Unanimous co-founder Jaron Smith told Variety this week, We aim to use entertainment as a vehicle to bring families together, and this show will surely bring laughter and enjoyment to households around the country. Um, In explaining his vision for Unanimous, Steph told Variety, It's not about me hitting people over the head with a Bible and telling them they have to believe a certain thing or think a certain way. I don't mind being called corny. I'm comfortable with who I am. Steph Curry, everybody. See, here's, here's what I'm curious about. He
4: says that, he says that competitive mini golf is going to bring families together. In my experience, it rips families apart. I come from a very competitive (laughs) family and that mini golf course, it's every man, it's every person in the family is, you know, it's on their own team. And we put a couple dollars on every hole at the end of it. No one's talking to anybody. It's, it's, it's a disaster. Every time I want to see how he's going to bring this together as a unifying force. Also, I want to be on this show very, very bad. Like this seems like, like you know, there's so many of these reality shows are so high stress. You know, Survivor—they're standing on poles for like four days. Liz, you were on Shark Tank one time. You yeah. know, having a look so across. stressful.
3: Yeah. So stressful. I would so much rather play mini golf.
2: I mean, imagine if there was some sort of hybrid between competitive mini golf and Shark Tank. I mean, it's Shark like <laughs> if you get the hole-in-one, you get the funding. I don't know. It would just, I Liz, like your, it.
5: your jaw dropped. I saw when Cameron read this news. You looked very, very excited. Does this, does mini golf hold a special place in your heart? <laughs> well, Missouri.
2: She grew up in Missouri. Yeah. That's all there is yeah, to it. Yeah, I do. guess that. Whee! Yeah.
3: No, stop it. Okay, so not a hundred percent sure who Steph Curry is, but I think he's a sports person. He's
2: right. One of the uh, he, he is Liz, a sports person. He's Liz Fargen Bohannon. Player. He is an NBA superstar. He's a multiple time champion, okay. scoring champion, MVP. He's one of the best yes, basketball yes, players yes, in yes, history. Yes, yes. Yeah.
3: Okay, Cameron, you need to be gentle because I just I'm I'm revealing my true self, okay. which is that I just. I was like, as soon as you said Steph Curry, I was like, I think he's a sports person. And now I'm not going to be able to participate in this conversation. And then you said mini golf. And I was like, I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. I know mini golf. I can be a part of this. It was less about a passion for mini golf, but you know, I, I, I've had my fair share of mini golf experiences and it just felt, it felt good to be, to be a part of the gang again. Yep. Uh, coming in
2: number four this week on the hot list, uh, Johnny Swim. Our friend Johnny Swim, uh, they were on the cover of Relevant last fall. Uh, Abner's on the current episode of Unedited. Uh, new, Johnny Swim has a new song that released this week featuring a collaboration with Michael McDonald. Uh, the song's from their new album, Moonlight, which comes out April 19th. So mark your calendars. Um, and, and it has kind of like, I don't know. The, the king, you know, we could all agree that Michael McDonald is the king of Yacht Rock. Would Undisputed. Agree? Un- Undisputed. And, 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 and,
5: I don't even know who the prince would be.
2: Right. Abner, when he was talking to me on unedited about the show or about the song, he was saying like he wrote the song. They wrote the song. They were in the studio and they're like, this hook. Can you imagine if like, like when, when they wrote it, they were like, I hear like Michael McDonald singing it. You know, wouldn't it be crazy? We get Michael McDonald. And then like, sure enough, they were able to like track him down. and He said, yes. So here's a clip of Michael McDonald on the new Johnny Swim song, The Last Time. Here it is. But I can but I
0: can
1: but I can but I can but I can but I can ain't no trying to stop it.
4: Cameron, I, I I like how you told that story because in my mind, Abner and Amanda are in the studio with like the recording engineer and you're like, they were like, you know, who would be awesome on the, <laughs> you know, to, 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 to be guest yeah. vocals on this. So like, Michael McDonald, and all of a sudden he disappears. Like he's literally, he's like, does someone say Michael McDonald? If it's for you, and they're like, what? He even knows the song. He just appeared.
3: Like it, it, they, it's like, just a magic pizza? thing. And, the and they're like, all oh, the pizzas guys here, and then they open the door. No, boo!
2: No, he's a legend. He's not He's <laughs> yeah. not delivering pizza.
3: Oh. Yeah, he
4: answers orders. Does someone order a Michael McDonald? <laughs> oh,
2: God. Yeah. Well, moonlight drops on April nineteenth. You don't want to miss it. Another little little nugget about the album is Abner and Amanda just uh, celebrated their ten year wedding anniversary, and as a present for her, he went. Abner went in to the studio and wrote and recorded a song called Amanda. She knew nothing about it, and on their ten year anniversary last week, he played it for her for the first time, and it's going to be on the album. It is an incredible. Oh, wow. song. That's yeah. so
3: sweet. That wow. also gives me major anxiety about. Expectations. I hope my husband does not listen to this.
5: You got a ten year. You've got a ten year coming up too, right?
3: It's it's right around the corner, and I don't feel great about now having that watch into my head because that's awesome.
5: Well, if you start speculating about a Michael McDonald song, he might
3: just drop it. Yeah, here's all you need to do. Here's all
4: you need to do. You're like uh, for the anniversary this year. I got you a special performance. Bye. Michael McDonald and you just look around and it's like okay he's supposed to appear like I said his name (laughs) in the context of music if it's for you (laughs) where is he can
2: you imagine if you could like hire Michael McDonald to do like those singing telegram things that'd be pretty cool having him show up at the house do a little
3: Going for with the surprise pizza delivery. <laughs> <But Same laughs> thing. You open the door thinking you're going to get one thing, and then, oh my gosh, it's something totally unexpected. It's, like, right. it's, the, it's, it's same the same thing. It would be
5: cool pizza. if it was both, too. Like and a, pizza makes oh, everything and better. And I, I don't care who
3: you are. I don't care who you are. If you walk into a room with the pizza, it's even better than if you didn't have one.
2: Right. That <laughs> yeah. is true. All right. true. Right? all right. Coming in at number three this week on the hot list, uh, a prayer by Virginia Tech basketball coach Buzz Williams went viral. First of all, that's a pretty cool first name, Buzz. There, it's uh, a cool name in general. Buzz Williams. Nice to meet ya, you. know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Virginia Tech lost to Duke during uh, the NCAA March Madness tournament in a heartbreaking fashion when they missed a layup at the buzzer, which would have won the game for them. Mm. In the locker room after the game, uh, Coach Williams and the players laid their hands on the team's three seniors and prayed for more than six minutes. Uh, he not only encouraged each of the seniors he also passionately prayed for them as they prepare for the next season of life here's a clip of the prayer it went viral Uh,
6: thank you for the four years he's been with us thank you for his mom and how she supported him thank you that he was in our first recruiting class and believed in us when there was nothing to believe. God, I pray that you're giving great peace on all the decisions that are coming his way in the next seven months. Pray that you would surround him with people that have wisdom, people that he can trust. God, I pray that you would allow him to process all of the different choices. And that you would give him comfort that his decision
4: is the right one. Man, I, I, I watched the, the, that whole video. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, I got a little choked up. It reminded me of the old hot seat. Do you guys ever do the hot seat when you were like in youth oh, group or like yeah. Bible study? We're sure. like, all right, you I'm sit in the chair in the middle, everyone's going to lay your hands on and say a prayer, and you're just you're just bawling. You're about to graduate high school. You got all your friends praying for you. Like, oh, God. Oh, thank you. That's how this was for these three seniors. I got a little choked up. Good for Buzz Williams, you know, turning
2: a, a sad loss into, you know, a pretty touching video there.
5: It's cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, coming in number two on the hot list this week, Kanye West announced he's going to host a Sunday service Easter morning at Coachella. He's, <laughs> he was reportedly in talks to headline the festival, but backed out over a dispute about staging. However, this, the festival's second weekend falls on Easter Sunday, and to mark the holiday, Kanye is going to host one of his gatherings that have featured preaching, gospel-inspired performances, and prayer, which up until now have been invite-only. Um if you I don't know if you recall, but last year at Coachella, Justin Bieber made a surprise appearance during a Sunday morning um service where he led worship at a church home event at the festival. So look at Coachella.
5: Yeah. Getting, that, uh, you introducing that slice. I went through a range of emotions because it started Kanye West and I was like, oh, this could go any direction and anything's possible now. It's hosting a Sunday morning, oh, one of the Sunday morning things, Easter yeah. service. Oh, that's kind of cool. At yeah. Coachella. And then I'm back and this could go any direction. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know what's going <laughs> to This could look like a lot of things right now.
4: I'm pretty sure like Lauren is playing all the festivals this year. So like if she's there, I want to see her come out with Kanye. and, her and Kanye you know, do a yeah, collab. Exactly, yeah. It yeah, could happen, cool. Stranger Things.
5: Have I've, I've enjoyed the clips, honestly, that I've seen of Kanye's Sunday service. I've, so far, I think they, they look like a really good time. Everybody seems like they're having fun, and uh, the music is good. The worship seems genuine, so I'm not opposed to the Sunday services at all. I just know that, that Kanye is, uh, you just never know what you're going to get with Kanye. It's, it's a mystery package.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, the only thing that would make that Sunday service at Coachella better is if right in the middle of the service, Kanye is like, and now my very special guest, who he has not prepared at all, <laughs> Michael, Michael McDonald. McDonald.
2: <laughs> Waiting for you.
4: <laughs> what? What? Heads just explode Everybody. This no is going Coachella out to Liz
2: Fork and Bohannon's husband in the celebration of their 10-year anniversary today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> great. Uh,
3: now my job is done. That's all I needed.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, coming in at number one this week on the hot list, Lecrae had some moving thoughts in, this week in the wake of the death of Nipsey Hussle. The LA-based rapper, activist, and entrepreneur was murdered outside of a store he owned last weekend. It's been all over the news and social media this week. Along with his music, Nipsey Hussle was known for his work within the community and was scheduled to meet with LAPD officials this week to discuss initiatives to combat gang violence. In an Instagram video, Lecrae encouraged his fans to continue work that Nipsey was passionate about and to invest in churches and communities affected by violence.
6: Here's a clip. So I hear about Nipsey last night and uh, This isn't my opportunity to insert myself in the story. You know, I think a lot of people just want to insert themselves in the narrative. This is when I talk to them and how I, whatever, it's about this man and his family and his ideals. And I want to see his ideals continue to thrive. You know, like when I stopped drinking alcohol, I started drinking sparkling water all the time because I needed a replacement. And a lot of us want to see the violence and whatnot eradicated from underserved communities, but we're not providing no replacements. We're not providing opportunities and jobs, hope, purpose faith and that's what we got to continue to do y'all we got to continue to invest in education invest in churches invest in uh, job opportunities and entrepreneurship in our own communities and so it breaks my heart to see nipsey pass but i know for a fact he would want this ideal and this vision to continue going to continue pushing so we got to pick up the mantle.
4: Yeah, no, I really appreciate those thoughts lot by the cray. And two, like it shows the other side of him in addition to be an artist, being an artist, he is a really gifted like preacher and teacher, you know, just using the analogy he did there of, you know, replace, you know, having to replace something bad with something good. You can't just take something bad away. You need to like fill in, you mm-hmm. know, kind of um, those, you know, kind of holes and the community, and I, I appreciate his thoughts. And I, you know, he's been doing a lot of speaking at like churches and different events. And I think he's he's really gifted at that. And that was um, some really powerful, concise thoughts in you know the wake of a of a real tragedy.
0: There
2: you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for.
1: It's the hottest. The hottest.
2: It's Sisley
0: Waiting for you. (laughs) Michael McDonald, (laughs) come on
1: in.
2: (laughs) All right, stay tuned up next. Taraji P. Henson joins us. You're listening to Grimes, the song is pretty dark. Well, Taraji P. Henson is an award-winning actress and best-selling author known for her roles in films like Hidden Figures, Hustle and Flow, and the starring role on the show Empire as Cookie. In her new film, The Best of Enemies, which releases today, she plays civil rights activist Ann Atwater, who helped desegregate schools in North Carolina in the nineteen seventies, and whose unlikely friendships with a KKK leader named CP Ellis led to him leaving the racist organization and actually working alongside her. Our very own Tyler Daswick talked with Taraji about the film and the role that her personal faith plays in her career. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Tell yeah. us uh tell us about it.
0: Yeah, uh it was it was fun talking to Taraji, because she's been in so many different kinds of stuff. She's kind of been in these sort of like romantic thrillers, kind of lifetime, daytime kind of stuff. But she's also been the star of action movies and these historical dramas like Hidden Figures. And she was in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So her career has been really, really diverse. And I was curious how that diversity contributed to her outlook and perspective. Uh, So here's what she said.
1: I I think... um I tap into things I didn't know about myself, <laughs> you know. Um, I tap into how closely I pay attention. I, you know, I, people watch all the time and I'm watching expressions and I'm the person, the weirdo in the restaurant looking and I'm trying to figure out, is that a first date? Are they newlyweds? Are they, look at their body language. You know, that's me. So it amazes me how much of it sticks. Like when I'm in the moment, like I don't have a a notebook where I go, ooh, I remember how I responded. It just, I collect it all in my head. And then when it's time to use it, it just amazes me that it comes out so quick. Like, wow, I had that in the store bank. I didn't know. The, uh,
0: the, the self-discovery side of acting is always fun for me to hear about. It's very like foo-foo theater, but uh, it really does take people to headspaces they might not have otherwise.
2: I'm always, always people watching and trying yeah. to figure out what the story is. But I'm not an award-winning actress, either, right? You know, so I don't, I don't have anything to do with all this, you know. But I definitely want to figure <laughs> all of it out, you know. What I,
4: mean? I, yeah. I feel like I should have gone into acting if that's what it takes to really prepare. <laughs> because I'm always looking at people. I'm like, okay, that woman over there, she's having a very. Uh, Oh, this looks like a tough conversation with what appears to be her spouse. I think she just told him that she didn't get anything for the anniversary and Michael McDonald is not coming. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't believe it. What what drama?
5: I'm a little bummed because I I actually ran into Taraji P. Henson in a a restaurant recently and she was scoping me out. I thought maybe she thought I'd be like really good in an upcoming role in a movie or like that I could be, uh, that I could really make it in Hollywood. But now I just see she's preparing for her next role as a really basic white, guy on a podcast so
0: (laughs) So, uh, from there i was curious if there was a specific role from taraji's career that compelled her to think about faith she's very open and, and open about being a Christian. Uh so I was I was kind of looking for one part that she would connect to that, but she kind of threw me a curveball. Instead of naming one part, I denounce everything. She <laughs> yeah, She said she, she said all her roles actually push her in that direction. Here's the clip.
1: Uh, I'm a very spiritual spiritual person in life. Period. Um I don't do anything without talking to God first, you know, so That's just who I am. And definitely it's all in my work. You know, um, I I think all of my characters, I incorporate that in because all of my characters come from most of them. A lot of them come from these desperate, traumatic places. So you need something to hold on to morally for the characters. And because I play a lot of morally correct characters, there has to be religion in me. (laughs) You know what I mean? For those characters, for people to believe and trust in the characters, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. That was uh that was fun for me to to hear about as a creative thinker cuz so often you uh look at you know actors and actresses and they just go all into the role and they kind of they strip away all these judgments beforehand but I mm-hmm. thought it was really cool that she injects parts of herself into these mm-hmm. performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I also love that she's kind of going against the notion that it's, I don't know, the whole sacred secular divide that it's like, Hey, Mm. if I'm, my role is to observe people. And then as an artist, try to use my craft to elicit some sense of, of truth, then isn't it all kind of sacred? And isn't it all spiritual because we're all kind of on that journey and path. And I love that she doesn't really differentiate between that. I think that's awesome.
0: Totally. That's such a great point. And I think for audiences, it presents, uh, an audience, uh, someone they can latch on to in a stronger mm-hmm. way than mm-hmm. a character who just wants power or money or to save their kidnapped son mm-hmm. or whatever. There's a little more. Why are you throwing to Liam them? Neeson under the under the bus? <laughs> Wait, watch your head. I, go I, to I think go that, Liam that was Logos- Halle Berry saved son. kidnapped yeah. kids. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's
4: true. Uh, yeah, but yeah. hey, listen. Even child kidnappers are Amago Day, made in the image of however you portray them.
2: Yeah. That is a Even spiritual chicken killers. You know, they're all. Plenty all... vandals.
0: <laughs> the worst monster society has to offer.
3: None of us are too far gone, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: But uh, I posed that difference to Taraji, that foundational difference, and she had a very cool response. Let's listen.
1: Acting is very spiritual because it's almost like a possession, like not in a bad way, not like the devil or demon or anything like that, but it's almost, I will not even say a possession, it's, it's like... um. <laughs> You're letting these characters use your body as a vessel. You know what I mean? Mm. So that means you have to surrender all of your insecurities. You have to surrender and give over everything about you that makes you uncomfortable. And you literally have to surrender yourself to the truth of these characters. Mm. So that means you have to, you can't judge. You, You actually have to think like Jesus or Buddha. You can't judge. You have to love mm. each and every one of the characters because if you love them, then the audience will have empathy. If you love mm. the character and if you make the character deep through loving, then the audience will be transitioned. They will have a, a, a transformation. They will have a cathartic moment because I love the character unconditionally.
2: Wow. Mm. Wow. I've never thought uh, of it like that. Yeah, cool. well, uh, like surface.
5: Right.
4: On the surface, yep. this character just seems like someone who would let a dog loose in a chicken coop and just watch <laughs> right. watch everything. But unsympathetic in every way. If you really know the character, you realize oh, she's, she's hated chickens for a very long time. This is not an <laughs> actor. Like, this is
2: really <laughs> deep. You really dig deep. This is the first day and last time Liz is going to join us. Yeah, on I'm feeling, she's like, yep, I'm guys, feeling, I'm too I'm busy. Feeling, I'm too busy. That was great. You want to come on again? No, no, I didn't. That was a very, that was a very profound. Sorry, I'm, in,
3: I'm still in therapy from the first time. It's fine. You can schedule that after my, no, I think that's an amazing, I mean, the thought of acting kind of being this like ultimate act of empathy, I think is really powerful. It kind of makes me think about like, is there a truth that we could take even for those of us who will never be paid for our acting skills? Like, there's something about, I loved her notion about like being a vessel for creativity Mm. or a vessel for that like character. I think about that a lot kind of with, with creativity and as an artist or as a worker, I feel very inspired and humbled and also empowered by this idea of like, I am, I'm the vessel for this thing, for this creation, for this thing that needs to come into the world. I think oftentimes artists can get like I don't know, we think it's all like it, it's so much about who we are and putting that out into the world. And then I think a lot of insecurity and ego and self worth gets pulled into that. And I think if you can say like, I, I happen to be the vessel for this particular thing to come mm-hmm. into the world, I, that is a very um, empowering and kind of motivating mentality for me. And it seems really reminiscent of the way that she thinks about acting and kind of bringing a character to life.
0: Absolutely, it it reminded me of this quote I heard once from another actor that acting is the most loving job you can do because you have no choice but to walk in someone else's shoes. And yeah. so I I posed that to Taraji, and uh, I loved the way she responded. Here it is:
1: it's a real understanding of love because you have to understand these characters. And a lot of them are dark. You know, some of them are dark, and some of them aren't morally correct. So you have to find humanity in them and the why, so that then the audience can empathize, and that's in life, you know. That's how you change people's perspectives about a certain group of people.
0: That really comes through in the new movie too, Best of Enemies. I had a chance to see it. Have you guys been following this movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Sam Rockwell is in it as well, right? Yeah, he's C.P. Ellis. He's the uh, KKK leader in Durham, North Carolina, where the movie takes place. And he and Taraji's character, Ann Atwater, this local civil rights leader, uh, they have to come together to lead uh, essentially a committee deciding if the town is going to have integrated schools in the 1970s. Uh, and it's awesome. I My kind of hot take coming out of this movie is I think it handles – uh the racial conversation better than green book does wow uh mm. i think i think it's super good i also love the way it integrates faith uh the characters are all very rooted in faith and those ideas are super present in the movie but there's no like you know crazy come to jesus moment mm-hmm. you just see how their faith informs their decision making the <laughs> actually the second scene in the movie we're like 3 minutes in at this point is a KKK meeting and Sam Rockwell leads the clan in prayer and it's presented very straightforward and yeah. matter of factly. Right. Mm. And, and it's kind of jarring, but it adds a layer of complexity that really benefits the movie. It's such an easy recommendation. I really enjoyed it. Mm, that's
2: awesome. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I like cool. it. I like it when the I like it when historical movies get it right and then you know also get like the religion part of it right you know what I mean yeah, oh, so, yeah. so many times when it's like the, it's cartoonish almost you know it's like you can tell yeah. the filmmakers have never stepped foot inside of a church and it's yeah, like totally. yeah this didn't nail it so it's really good to hear that yeah. they handle it nuanced in a nuanced way yeah. and handle it right
0: yeah and oh. hey. Taraji's awesome in it. She's really funny in it too, wow. full of personality. So yeah, Best of Enemies, that's the recommendation for the weekend. Well, there you go.
2: Awesome. Well, yes, many thanks, thanks to Taraji for joining us. Make sure to go check out Best of Enemies, the releases today. Thanks, Tyler. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right, stay tuned. Up next, we have a... Well, we'll tell you what's going to happen when we get back from the break. We
6: not
0: Upside-Down Spirituality by Chad Bird invites you to enter a world where failure is success, endings are beginnings, and freedom is found as we learn to submit. It may sound counterintuitive, but the truth is Christianity is not just a nicer version of the world we live in. It's a completely different, upside-down, backward faith chad bird invites you to put your ambitions aside and embrace nine specific failures in the areas of our personal lives our relationships and the church with compelling examples from the bible and today bird paints an enticing picture of the countercultural life god wants for us get your copy of upside down spirituality by chad bird today wherever books are sold
6: Make baby fan, uh, go, oh, you're God. listening
2: to the Burna Boy and DJ DS. We'll song is Darko. Okay, like well, this is the part bad, of the show where we do audience you know, engagement, audience interaction. Listeners wait, are participating. We've had listener of the week. We've had people call in. And a few weeks ago, we did... Oh, we tested out a new thing. Ask the cast. You guys tweeting us questions that then I go through and lob to the cast. I had a lot of fun doing it. I figured we'd do it again. We, you guys tweeted us at Relevant Podcast a bunch of questions for the cast this week. Here are some of them. You guys ready?
4: Born ready. Born. Born ready. <laughs> Are any of these questions Michael McDonald related?
2: No. I'd like to know. I'm pro. I'm a pro. Then I'm, then don't I'm not need ready. To, Don't even then need to I'm look I'm not ready. Those are the only kind of questions I'm prepared for. <laughs> All right. Taylor tweeted us and asked, cast, what do you think is the worst advice the church gives to young people? And then maybe what, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Ooh, the worst
4: advice. That's, I mean, that's
2: like a legit question. There, that's a great question. I don't know. There, there's a lot... <laughs>
5: <laughs> that, yeah, the worst advice... We could be here
4: all day. The church gives to young people. I I mean, I don't know if, if it's like... I don't know if it's like advice, you know, but I feel like a lot of times churches will conflate um, like what people do for work with like the entirety of their calling sometimes. Mm. Like hey. I, I feel like a lot of people... We'll separate, we'll like say, well, I'm only one, I'm only going to pursue this career because I feel called to this one thing. But they kind of like, you know, for a lot of people, like like I feel like they're calling, they feel like their calling ends there, you know, like, well, I'm called to be, you know, uh, whatever their profession happens to be. But you know, I feel like there's a tendency to conflate calling with career, and there certainly can be overlap. But I feel like it should be more like a Venn diagram than a than a perfect circle. And I feel like sometimes the church doesn't do the best job of like differentiating that. Do you guys hmm.
5: think that's fair and accurate? Oh, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really good.
4: Liz, what what do you think is the worst advice the church oh tells my young people? Gosh, that's a tough question. I,
3: gosh, there's a lot. I mean, I think that. Um, I don't think that the church does a great job of, um, with specifically with young people. I think we're, it's a very fear-based mentality about, um, curiosity Hmm. and encouraging curiosity and encouraging really honest question asking and, um, about anything. And I think that what that does to kids, to young people is, and I remember feeling this way that it was the, the subtext of that was I'm saying that this is truth, but I feel so afraid about you asking a question that might lead you to a different conclusion that I'm going to dissuade you from asking a question. And then therefore the subtext is I'm actually not totally sure that this is truth because I feel the need to like protect it. Um, And And so I think that that kind of like fear based mentality, as opposed to I remember being coming into adulthood and kind of meeting um, spiritual leaders who had just such a sense of confidence in who God was and what and just like who they were made to be that that confidence led to this sense of freedom that it's like truth is going to reign. So like, and God made you to be creative and to ask questions and to kind of have this mind that works in a really interesting way. And, um, I don't know. I think our youth could really benefit. I think we, we create a false dichotomy where it's like, you have to believe all of this hook, line and sinker, or you're on the outside or, and, um, I think creating kind of a third path for engagement would be, would be amazing to see.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Lydia wrote in uh, This this question is prime for for Liz Lydia wrote in My roommate's cat tends to pee On everything in my apartment From shoes to clothes How do I cleverly get rid Of the cat without my roommate knowing Phone it
3: you guys, <laughs> this is so bad. It I just feel was like my reputation has spiraled in the, a, yeah, quote, spiraled in the last 90 dog. minutes. I didn't know how much damage I could do to myself. <laughs> um, that literally, support. Olivia is living my worst life. That's all I can say. <laughs> I can't even give her advice because the amount of anxiety and like if that was my life, I would wake up with just existential dread every day. I can't even tell her how to move forward because that's how bad that sounds to me.
4: Yeah, I mean, so someone else needs to help room. Olivia
3: out.
4: Just move out, move on with your life. Yeah, there's no, there's no fixing this situation.
3: There's Cats no, otherwise. there's no, we say that, that nothing is beyond redemption, but Olivia, you have found the situation. Cats.
5: Yeah. They're just, I don't
2: know about that cat. <laughs> that cat is a demon. <laughs> Ashley wrote in, asked the cast, is cereal a soup? Is cereal a soup? I mean, it's, I haven't
4: thought of it in those terms, but it, now that I am, it's clearly cold soup. It's clearly
5: <laughs> delicious delightful. I don't no. think <laughs> grain. I think when you get grain involved, you've moved out of the soup territory. Oh, that, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. It's weird. It's weird. Do you have noodles. rice in soup? You yeah. Rice chicken noodle soup has rice yeah. and noodles. There's a lot of grain in that soup. Soup is mostly grain, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. I think it works. Wrong. And I don't think it works. Here need broth, is why too. it's
3: not a soup. Oh. It is not a soup because there are two entities that are standalone entities. Like you can eat cereal without milk. Kay. That makes it not a soup.
2: Okay. Yeah, but uh, you, can eat, but you, can, soup, you can eat noodles without soup, without broth. You can eat noodles without soup, without broth.
4: Hold on, was Tyler? Did you just give the example of meatballs? Like, yeah. how often are you eating meatball soup? <laughs> like, I, 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 like you guys don't eat meatball soup. Yeah, it's, it's meatballs and it's like a like a thick red broth and you pour it on top of noodles. That's meatball soup. That's what you guys don't call that. You get, you get a plate. You get a plate of spaghetti noodles. You get that, that thick ragu broth. Put a bunch of meatballs in it. Dump it on there. You get you got meatball soup. (laughs) that's what we call that right meatball soup that's where you went well i'll tell you i'll tell you a soup that doesn't have no grains in it meatball the the american staple meatball soup campbell's campbell's you just sell it out of their cans of meatball soup not a grain to be seen (laughs) tell you destroyed your case i'm sorry
3: liz did you say it was a soup or not a soup just not a soup. If you blended it, it would become a soup. Yeah.
4: <laughs> That's a smoothie. That's a
3: smoothie, Liz. <laughs> Actually, you're right. You're right. Uh, I stand corrected. I am someone who learns and grows and who can change my mind. You're right. That would be a cereal <laughs> smoothie. Or or cereal. Oh, what's the name of uh there's some there's like a specific name. It's like a s- So
2: are we say it's not a soup because because yeah. soups need to have a broth that is not milk doc yeah it needs to be like some sort of cooked mm.
5: broth to make it I think boiling is usually involved in a soup gazpacho aside i feel like there usually needs to be some sort of even like i don't cold, think you
2: can just put something in a in broth and say it's a soup now right well even cold soups have to be cooked at some point some of the ingredients need to be prepared right so like just I, okay, I think we're saying it's not a soup.
4: Yeah, well, okay. I, I disagree, and I think Tyler's opinion is disqualified because the <laughs> example he gave to back up his is meatball soup. And you literally, come down, no one's you come to to like,
5: Nashville anytime, I'll make you the best meatball soup. It's gonna change your life. You're gonna go, yeah, but you're I gonna get, go back to I'm, Loveland, Virginia. You're gonna go grocery store, gonna buy yourself a frozen meatballs, and it's the last thing you're gonna eat for the rest I'm, of the I'm year. I'm just under the weather. Mike, I got a
4: sore throat. I just need a, a warm bowl of meatball soup. That'll really get my. <laughs>
2: All right. Uh, the the uh, Twitter handle, Pragmatic Christian, uh, wrote in No, asked, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh.
3: I'm so excited for this.
2: What mistake or seeming failure turned out to be a blessing in disguise, taught you the most, or led to better opportunities? Oh, I... Personal... I, because- <laughs> I have, I have one.
4: I have one. I created this recipe one time uh, for a very <laughs> unique product. <laughs> and I pitched it to Campbell's Soup. Yeah. <laughs> and they laughed at me. And it was humiliating. And I thought at least no one else will come up with a dumb idea for meatball soup. <laughs> and today, uh, someone else did. And that taught me a lot. So meatball soup. And that taught me
3: a lot.
2: Um, that was inspiring Julie wrote in and asked uh, I want to travel I want to travel but I likely will have to go it solo what are some fun places Mm. for a female traveler to visit and what are some tips to stay safe
3: oh my gosh I love this question because I am is it what's her name Julie Julie yeah I am so passionate about solo travel, Julie, and the whole world is great for the most part. Yes, I just, I love traveling in general. I love traveling with people that I love. I have learned more about myself, though, traveling solo because you're, I find myself to be more awake to the world when I'm by myself because I don't have these like kind of comfort. But don't you want like right next to me? Don't you want
2: to share the experience with someone, you know, like? Like, Hey, look at that thing. And you have a person who also, you know, and then it's just a Mm -hmm. really, you'd rather be No, I
3: mean, no, I wouldn't rather. They're both so important to me. If you took either away, it would be devastating, but they do play really different roles. And Mm -hmm. so many people don't travel by themselves. Like you're so much more open to kind of interesting experiences and follow. At least I find myself that it's like, I'll strike up a conversation with somebody who is a stranger that I never would have if I was there with my best friend or my, you know, uh, because it would be like, oh, I'm there to spend time with them as well. So they're both incredibly valuable, but I meet a lot more people who travel with people that they love who who have never solo traveled. Um, and so I just think it's so important and I love it so much. And Julie, just call me. We'll talk about all the things and I'll tell you where to go. And I, as far as being safe, it's just like be self-aware and have general common sense. But it's, there you go. The, I I have found the world to be a much less scary place than most Americans think it is.
4: And you're getting you're getting ready to go back to Uganda soon, right Liz?
3: Yeah, I leave in like 4 days, 5 days.
2: So when you travel solo though, like cuz I've uh, 99% of my travel is solo, but I'm usually going to a place where I'm meeting People that I know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to Morocco, but I'm going there for a thing where there's other people at the thing. And I'm not like going to Morocco by myself. You know what I mean? Like, are you talking like when you travel, you're traveling for like vacation by yourself? Or are you talking like you're going to Uganda, you're going to do some things and you're going back, you know, by yourself?
3: It's usually like work related, but I have had a lot of work related travel where. I've literally showed up in a country and not known someone yet. So it's like not, I'm going to be with these people that I know. It's like, I'm going to discover what's there and like, is there possibility? And so, um, I've done that too.
2: Like I, I landed in Rwanda. First time I went to Rwanda, hoping that the person who via email invited me to come was going to be Mm -hmm. sending somebody to get me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know anybody when I landed and yeah, yeah. I'm same thing, but you are going to meet with people you're not just like going to Rwanda by yourself and then you come home by yourself and like, you won't enter, you're not, you're going to meet a group or people or whatever and do a work. Right.
3: Not yes. But a lot of times it's like, of course people are apart. Like I've never been to a country where I just didn't have a conversation with anybody, but like, I don't necessarily know who they are yet. It's right. like, I'm just going mm-hmm. to explore sure. or yes, like sure. I'll tack on a couple extra days if I'm going somewhere for work to just be completely unplanned what does God have for me? I'm like very big. I, I have this thing called, I go miracle hunting. And so I'll just like, wake up and be like, okay, here's the thing. Like there's something gold. And I, it's usually assuming it's going to be in a conversation or a person, but I have no idea like who they are, what it is, but I have found that it like, just I love miracle hunting when I'm traveling by myself because it's like the soundtrack just starts playing in the back of my mind. And it's like, once you, once you like start (laughs) looking for that and you expect that it's going to happen, it's just, it's very magical.
2: Wow. That is cool. That is very miracle hunting, vigilante vandalism and miracle hunting.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I am so weird. And now
1: you're making me feel
4: bad for like my solo travels because you're going miracle hunting. I'm like, What's a churro? I've never had one of them. (laughs) This country, this country, what an exotic place. It has meatball soup. I'll pop in here.
3: And Liz is miracle hunting.
2: Yeah. Ian asks, what's the difference? What's the difference between moist and damp?
3: Oh, no. Why?
2: Moist and damp. Moist and damp. Nuanced. I think damp is wetter, don't you? Yeah. I think I, so.
4: I I think I think damp is more like like if I have like a, a, like a jacket and, and there there's beads of water on the outside like that's damp. If I'm wearing like a hoodie mm-hmm. and it was raining and absorbed in the fabric, that's more of kind of a moist situation. Um, mm-hmm. It's tomato, tomato. I think here's the thing. If you, if you're eating, if you're eating a nice big bowl of meatball soup, <laughs> yeah. you don't mind if the meatballs are damp in sauce, but you don't want them moist in yes, sauce. Yes, you That's do. A, so
3: here's uh, what I think <laughs> the difference between moist and damp is. I believe it is the same thing physically, but it is a, a positive or negative mm-hmm. association with it. Mm-hmm. Like cake is moist. Basements are damp. Hmm. So I it's like, are that. you in, inju- is it, is it like a benefit to the object that it has, um, a certain water content or is it negative? And if it's positive, then it's moist. If it's negative, mm-hmm. it's damp.
2: Like damp has sense. a mustiness, like, mm-hmm. a, like you got to clean this. Yeah. But I, th- I think, damp. I think damp
5: is more of a, uh, it's more of a general descriptor too. like a basement can be, can be damp, right? But a basement can't be moist right unless you were to eat the basement
4: yeah, it <laughs> and then it could be moist yeah, so maybe damp is Good on point. the
2: surface of an object uh-huh. and
4: moist is within it within it yeah it's true yeah. Yeah. Uh, hard-hitting question oh, inner- No,
3: no because towels can be damp it's but true. it's negative no one wants a damp towel yeah. tell me something where you would say That's it's true. damp and you're like oh dang yes i was hoping for that
4: <laughs> yeah it's true because i would be like man this uh, you know, this grilled chicken is very moist. I wouldn't be like this grilled chicken mm. is very damp. <laughs> <Damn>.
5: like, <that's laughs> like, did you, did, did
4: you leave Damn it in the chicken? rain? Like, why is my chicken damp? Yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 a nice. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. we'll close
2: we'll close on this one. Uh, Taylor is asking for some travel advice as well. So uh, I'm taking a road trip in a month. How can I make my drive more interesting? The oh, driving, man. the driving part, the long, limitless. the long parts, limitless. You,
4: yeah. I mean, you wanna see how long you can go with your eyes closed for a <laughs>
6: single <laughs> <laughs> I've gone eighteen pick up, seconds. Pick
4: up every eighteen hitchhiker. seconds. Pick up every ever.
3: hitchhiker. No. Oh my gosh, yes. Pick up hitchhikers. Oh. It's like basically I mean, it's so funny to me that it's like we're we are moving it's like, Oh my gosh, we did hitchhiking in the sixties, that was so dangerous, and now we literally just do the same thing, but we pay for it. Yeah.
2: It's yeah. oh, oh, so called yeah. Uber. Yeah. Uber. Yeah,
3: yeah I,
4: I think I do from think, lit. yeah, you know, inviting random people in your car and talking to them is very important. Like I talked to I, I've we talked about this on the podcast. I talked to every Uber driver and they always have great stories. I heard a great story from an Uber, Uber driver the other day. He was telling me about his life and he has a, lived a fascinating life. And he like worked for like a nightclub in Miami at one point And he started as the cook and he worked his way up to the nightclub. Uh, owner. Then he got out of the nightclub business because he's like, I got shot eight times. I'm like, what? And he's like, with an Uzi. An Uzi, like Rambo uses. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah, you never know 12. what kind of, you, you when you're going to sit in the car with Scarface and have him regale you with cool stories from running nightclubs in Miami in 1980s. Now he's driving around. You know, we got Miami Vice here driving around an Uber and no one knows his great stories because no one's taking the time to talk to him. Talk to random strangers. That's, you know, I don't think that qual-
3: qualifies as miracle hunting, but I like the conversation. I, no, it does. That's how it starts, Jesse. It always starts with that. It really does. 90% of the miracles come from conversations with people. That you're just like awake, you believe they have the miracle for you. So for that example, it was like this really fascinating, crazy story. That's the miracle. You went miracle hunting.
2: So Liz, you're 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 an extrovert, right? No,
3: I'm actually an introvert. So when you no travel, one believes me
2: when you travel by yourself and you're an <laughs> introvert, you engage people in conversation, or you're just open to engaging them if they initiate. Like, do you initiate? Both.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I have to push myself to like no one believes that I'm an introvert, but it takes like I have what I refer to as pre social anxiety. It's like once I'm in the social situation, it's usually fine. I'm tired by the end of it. But like I have major anxiety leading up to social, I have to like pump myself up to go into social situations. Yeah. But I also find that one-on-one conversations, like I actually hate parties. I really dislike parties, but like talking one-on-one with a stranger in like a gas station coffee shop is, is much more energizing to me.
2: Question, uh, follow up question. How do you pump yourself up to go to a social situation? What's your what's your um, routine? What's the plan?
3: Do you really want to know? Yes. Why am I? You guys yeah. have like truth serum for me. Why am I telling you all of my things? Let's hear. It. Let's uh, hear it. <laughs> Here's what I do. I listen to the last of the Mohican soundtrack
5: did not see that one. Co- I, love I, I love it. I'm more, I'm <laughs> more, <laughs> clearly, I'm more, will hey, be please. the closing
2: song for the podcast today. <laughs> I was going to say,
3: you I, guys, a, I am serious. If you have never done this in your life oh, before, if you. there is any challenge ahead of you, if there's anything that feels daunting, put on the Last of the Mohican soundtrack. It's beautiful. Oh, I it's can inspiring. Hear it. I and I have actually never even seen the movie. I only listen I don't even know what the movie is. I just listen to the soundtrack and it's so it makes your life feel like a movie and it's so epic and you will feel like you can do anything. I listen to this it I, like through both of my labors. I listen to it before I have to go a into journey. a party, all the things. Yeah, it's a really, great
5: mo- it's a it's a great movie, Liz. Yeah. Maybe you should yeah, watch yeah, the if, movie. if you were looking for movie night. Yeah, I mean,
4: but here's the, the thing. Then the it will be associated really well with the, the movie actually. to me. I kind
3: of like that. It's uh, it's just kind of become my like your soundtrack. I don't know. It's yeah, fine. it's like yeah, yeah, it I means something to me now.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I, it's the same thing. Listen, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Dan has come home. I'm wearing blue face paint and I am <laughs> screaming uh, to the Braveheart soundtrack. And she's mm-hmm. like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I have a uh, 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 you know a social event. I have to <laughs> <laughs> getting pumped up and." I like it, Liz.
3: Movie scores are very underrated. Like if you look on my Spotify and my iTunes is like basically all John Williams. It's like, it's just, we under, I I just think movie scores are, they're my, I'd say 90% of the music that I listen to are movie scores. Wow. Interesting.
5: So you would say mm-hmm. so you would say that one thing Julie could do to help speed her, make her drive more interesting is play that that Last of the Mohicans soundtrack and instead of just on a, she's on not on a road trip anymore, she's on an epic quest to go. She's on to- a
3: quest. That yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yep. It will transform her her ho hum commute into a quest. Life into would, an adventure.
2: Life would feel more epic if we had a movie soundtrack playing, I'm, I'm I'm picturing this now because like that clip we play in the hot list of the coach praying, you know, whoever made the clip put kind of epic music in the background and it made the prayer even more epic. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah, like, it's true. if she's oh, yeah. driving, yeah, good point. if she's driving, Lord of
3: the Rings, um, last of the Mohicans, the Truman show is a really good one. Surprisingly, the Truman show, um, soundtrack is amazing. Just, it's just
2: shaft.
4: <laughs> but, that, but no, Liz, you're giving me an idea, especially Cameron, where you're talking about the locker room prayer that they put the music to. Yeah. Is why don't sermons have soundtracks? You know? Like hold usually. On, hold they,
2: on, hold on, hold on, on. Charismatic churches, dude. That last quarter of the sermon, that, oh, p- yeah. that keyboard player True. has come yeah. out. Well, yeah, well, yeah. They, okay. But building. that's the thing.
4: They wait, they wait until they're like, Can I have the band come back up, please? Just play right. something soft behind me, guys. Just yeah. just kind of vamp for a minute, you know? Yeah. And they, yeah. you know, they're just getting ready for the altar call. Yeah. I like Liz's idea where right from from the very beginning. Like yeah. I see the lights on the stage go and just a single spotlight on the pulpit. And it's like, dun, dun 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 and then the pastor comes out, everyone starts going crazy. And then, you know, there's all these emotional highs and lows of the sermon. Then he gets, then that's when you do the altar call, you know, like trying to get the band to prep, to warm up the every head bow, every eye closed moment. Yeah.
2: Right.
4: You know, you're really cutting yourself. You're short. saying go all I, the way
2: in. Yeah.
4: I'm, I'm saying get these, get these epic soundtracks, go through the whole sermon. You know, like really play with emotions here.
2: So don't bring the keyboard player out, bring a string section out.
3: Bring yeah. Hans Zimmer
2: out. <laughs> Our worship leader today is Hans. Everyone Zimmer. needs a
3: tiny Hans Zimmer in their pocket.
2: Listen, listen. If I could get the acoustic
4: guitar player, the keyboard player, and Hans Zimmer to just hop up on stage for <laughs> a minute. we're going to close out. We're going to close out, and now I'm going to ask for every head bow, every eye closed. Uh, I'm going to need everyone back in the orchestra pit too. Prayer team, right. prayer team. Or can you come up to the altar? There's going to be people up here. Everyone, yeah.
2: Well, thanks for everybody who sent in questions for the cast this week. There's a lot more and uh, we will do this again. It's a lot of fun. Um, To wrap things up, I want to thank Squarespace for making the episode possible. Remember, go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Also, thanks to Taraji P. Henson for joining us. Uh, You heard it. Tyler Daswick, full recommendation. Go check out her brand new movie. Comes out today. It's called The Best of Enemies. True story. It's really a powerful true story. Uh, It's coming out today. Go check it out. Hey, have you gotten your official Relevant podcast mug yet? Uh, Head over to relevantmagazine.com slash store to pick up your favorite, plus some other weird stuff and merchandise. Uh, we keep, we are adding new products to the Relevant store. Go check it out. There's a lot of fan gear and other stuff. And plus, every issue of Relevant Magazine is there. So um, go check it out at relevantmagazine.com slash store. Also, hey, if you like the podcast, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review and, and rate it. Uh, we are like, what, like two votes away from a full five-star rating uh so go check that out i'm do the right thing over there yeah do the right thing
4: give us those five stars we
2: deserve and while you're there check out our other two new podcasts relevant daily has launched in the last few weeks uh subscribe to relevant daily it's 10 minutes long give or take it's uh every day every weekday and it's the stories you need to know at the intersection of faith and culture uh these guys uh bring bring the goods every weekday on Relevant Daily. Go check it out. And also, unedited, unedited with Karen Strang. Um, right now, the new episode has Abner from Johnny Swim on it. It's an awesome conversation. He, uh, he talks about his faith. He talks about pursuing Amanda. And uh, over the years, he, he talks about the importance of community. Uh, he talks about what Chip and Joe are like in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's totally unedited and about halfway through the show or halfway through the conversation, he goes, you're going to edit this, right? And I laughed at him <laughs> and said, nope. And <laughs> it's still in I've, had that, it's still I've in. had that
3: same feeling about 19 times in the last 90 minutes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, actually, thanks a lot for joining us, Liz. It is, that was a lot of fun. We yeah, got to blessed. know you at a level I did not expect. It is. Mm -hmm. uh,
3: Yeah, you and me both. So (laughs) full (laughs) of surprises.
2: Keep your eye out for her new podcast that's in the works and also her book that comes out this fall. And check out their amazing stuff at Seiko Designs. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Uh, no chickens were harmed in the making of any other products.
3: We are chicken-free at this point in That's our product. company's evolution, I'm they, so proud to say. We're <laughs> not come here at way. this point. Currently, chickens we are chicken-free.
2: Uh, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee.
3: I'm Liz Forkin-Bohannon.
2: We will see you guys on Tuesday. Have a great weekend.
4: You guys don't eat meatball soup. It's, it's meatballs and it's like a, like a thick red
2: broth and you pour it on top of noodles. That's meatball soup. That's what you guys don't call that? Relevant Podcast Network.